You're listening to Bow Down to Us, the comics edition, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. And here's your host, Vince. Hello again, everyone. Another wonderful comic book day, October the 20th, as always, Wednesday. And here we are with issue number 12 of Bow Down to Us, the comics edition. As usual, my faithful sidekick, Roger, is with me today. Am I supposed to say something? I'm here. Yes, I am. That's you. It it wasn't an actual how are you doing or anything, so I wasn't sure if I was supposed to speak. Got to mix it up, man. Okay. All right, then. (laughs) anyway we have one of our favorite titles to talk about this week and that is of course shadowland and actually roger since you're enjoying this one so much i'm gonna let you take the lead on this one shadowland issue number four this was a very very good issue because we got to see a lot of electra in it and her which we're seeing a little bit more of the, the the deception that's going on of everyone trying to get to Matt without necessarily wanting to hurt Matt, but understanding that he, well, he's not himself right now. So at the beginning of it, you're seeing Electa, Electra very easily taking care of anybody who's in her way and then making her way to, um, to let the rest of the opposition team, the heroes, come into the... The, the fortress which is otherwise completely locked and nobody can get in so you've got luke cage wolverine iron fist punisher spider-man uh master Izo, and shang chi now if i mispronounced either of those last ones there forgive me <laughs> but uh it was very well done the the conversations that you get between all of the players at that point of course wolverine's got to have the most lines here because he's wolverine um but the the conversations are are really good and again it shows it shows a different personalities from the people who are still believe there's some some hope left that they can save Matt versus Wolverine who just no we got to take him down and that's that which is what you see later on as well and then of course Punisher too he just wants to shoot people of course that's it's it's his motto um we get a brief glimpse of the kingpin and again the underlying ideas of what it is that he wants to do it's literally only a couple of panels and quite frankly i didn't think much of it i know that it's leading somewhere but being that we have (laughs) so few issues left it's kind of hard to 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 know just how much of an impact the kingpin is going to have at this point i mean we got from this point we got one more issue and I, i i know that he's responsible for a lot of the stuff that we saw early on but I don't know. I think that if they really wanted to have as much of an impact with his plans as they, I'm assuming, want in the last issue, that we would have seen a little bit more of that. But it, but still, it's there. And then from there, it's all the battle with um, Daredevil as Daredevil is trying to have Bullseye revived as part of the hand and that's pretty much it i mean it's all out fighting between all of them there's some good lines from spider-man in there as always um well-written stuff but you're that's pretty much the extent of this issue it's not there's not a huge amount of backstory or anything like that it's they're breaking in and they're trying to take him down it still though was a hell of a fun ride though i did enjoy it Yeah, traditionally, the next to last issue of an event series is, I want to say, the weakest. And honestly, 
as great as this issue was, it is the weakest of the four we've read so far, just because it's it's all set up and no payoff. But that's OK. It's just the way the, the, the overall story works. And, you know, you sit down and read the whole thing at once and it flows well. The thing, um, too, is that sorry not to cut you off there, no, no. but often in things like this, too, the, the very same thing as with movies and action TV shows and all that. You have the full force trying to take down the antagonist and fail and then regroup and come back even stronger and then manage to take them down. I mean, that's a theme that we see in everything. So this is no different. Well, actually, this is different because they did attack, fail, regroup, come back stronger and still oh, yeah, fail. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the way the, the, the battle scene was handled with the switching back and forth between the heroes and the, the daredevil vision, seeing how they were trying to keep them off balance and, you know, throwing Punisher and Wolverine at them. I thought that was handled really well, just really continuing the uniqueness of this series. But what. What I kind of got out of this issue the most is we're continuing we're continuing to see Luke Cage and his evolution as not just a hero, but as a leader. Um, you might not be terribly familiar with it because you haven't been reading uh, a lot of the other issues. But since Captain America died, Luke Cage was essentially the leader of the new Avengers team, uh, Wolverine, uh, Ronin, Hawkeye, you know, the, the, the B team of Avengers when they were on the run from uh, Iron Man and later Norman Osborn. He became a really good leader for this team. And as the series went on, you know, he stepped up more and more. Even when um, Bucky, Captain America, stepped in, he still deferred to Luke. Luke was the de facto leader of the team. And when we got to the end of the new Avengers first volume arc after Siege, we saw Luke really being able to plan things out and knowing how to approach the different enemies they were coming up against. It was a really good character development arc for the character of Luke Cage. And we see that again here. He knows, okay, Daredevil's some bad news. He has to call in Wolverine. You know, he I'm sure he would like to keep his crew together because they're they're the ones that want to help Matt Murdock the most, but as the team leader, he's acknowledging that that might not be an option and you probably do have to take him down. So he goes out of his way to call in Wolverine. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. Where are you okay. seeing that? Was that in a one of the spinoff issues? Because that certainly wasn't in this issue. It, it was never mentioned, but it's just the feeling I'm getting because it, from reading the issues, obviously Luke Cage is the leader of this little ragtag bunch. If and you're Wolverine reading, just if you're reading this one, he's not. If you're, I agree with the the prior ones, but if you're reading this one, he has literally got. I, as you were talking there, I counted. He's got three panels where he even speaks, and he's barely in any others. Um, Whereas I know that in the earlier issues, yeah, he, he had a, a huge leadership role. In this one here, he was barely used at all, I thought. In fact, I thought he was one of the weaker characters and that it was Elektra that was running the show. The I really did not get any impression at all that of any kind of leadership skills from him at all in this. Uh, again, as someone who's unfamiliar with the way the, the team dynamic works, because for, for the most part, these are the new Avengers, Luke's Avengers. And 
knowing the way the team dynamics are, this was Luke's plan. Like, I'm very familiar with the character. I love the character. I've been reading a lot of stories involving him. He he might be taking a backseat in the actual battle because he knows Punisher, Wolverine, Elektra. They're better equipped to handle this particular fight. But just the way the plan plays out. I mean, let's face it. Wolverine and Punisher aren't really known for their tactical planning. (laughs) Mm. Just Wolverine will go in claws first and Punisher will want to shoot everyone. So just the way the the actual battle plan worked out and the entire concept of bringing in Wolverine to the team. I, I I feel at least personally that this was a a whole Luke cage behind the scenes thing. It might not be the way it's working out, but for me uh, knowing the characters, I just have a feeling that that's where they were going with it. Might be entirely conjecture, but I like that conjecture. <laughs> well, it, 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 I mean, it would work in terms of what you're saying. However, with nothing actually being said when you're reading it, that's definitely not what's there. In fact, when you're saying that he brought Wolverine in, there's the panel where she's asking why Wolverine is there. And he is saying, uh, well, his line is, let's just say me and the, the hand have got history. So it has nothing to do. He's not stating that he was brought in. It has nothing to do with being brought in to help with Daredevil. It's because he's got some history with the hand, which is, I've actually been reading tons of that going back over old uh, Wolverine issues. So that's why he's there. There's no mention at all that he was brought in for. Yeah, again, it's not mentioned, but it's... It's a tactic we've seen Luke Cage use in the past. Uh, try, you know, with his group of buddies, and then when things go bad, he calls up Wolverine. It, we, we just saw it a couple months ago in the new Avengers finale. So it, they're at least repeating the theme, if not flat out saying it. Well, we need to find out if Andy Diggle is on Twitter or something and oh, get him to listen to this <laughs> and ask him if you're right <laughs> or if I'm right in saying, I don't read that at all. Like, oh, yeah, I never intended it that way. But hmm, that Vince guy's pretty smart. So, yeah, yeah. we're going to say that. We'll go, we're going to go with that. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, 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 we'll real quick edit the end of the last issue and have Wolverine say, hey, thanks for calling me and Luke. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to move away from uh, the actual Shadowland. Because like we said, it wasn't that eventful of a comic. It's all set up for the grand finale. But as far as setups go, it was a good setup. And if you go back uh, however many episodes ago, when we first started talking about Shadowland, I was criticizing it for its overuse of the tie-ins. And I kind of have to say, while some of the tie-ins have been pretty craptacular, uh, Blood on the Streets, Daughters of the Dragon, or Daughters of Shadow, whatever it is, I couldn't care less. But I'm actually finding myself enjoying a lot of the other tie-ins. The Power Man tie-in is a lot of fun. I'm loving Shadowland Moon Knight. And here we're talking about the Shadowland Spider-Man tie-in. I thought this was a really cool uh, individual issue picking up straight out of Shadowland number three, actually. And it was just some good character development and keeping in with the Spider-Man style while still telling a Shadowland story, which is why why a lot of these tie ins are succeeding. They're not just Shadowland stories with characters shoved in. They're, They're being told in the style of their individual comics while still tying in to the core story. It's. If you like the characters that are in the tie-ins, you'll enjoy the issues. But if you don't, you're not missing out on anything by not reading the tie-ins. I I think they've handled it really well. Uh, We're seeing this also with um, 
Chaos War. It's a similar thing. If you like the characters, you can get more of the story. It seems that Marvel is starting to get a good grasp on how exactly to handle the tie-ins to their big events. So anyway, in this issue, uh, we it's... It's honestly not even that much of a Spider-Man issue. They might as well have called it Spider-Man and Shang-Chi. We see Spider-Man involving himself in this big fight between the hand ninjas and the thugs of Mr. Negative, one of Spider-Man's big villains. And it's cool that he sees like these two gangs warring it out and he realizes he has to step in and help one of the gangs Otherwise, you know, he doesn't want the other one to gain too much control. I thought it was really cool when the hand ninjas are like, did Spider-Man just rescue me? (laughs) (laughs) Really cool. And it's so true to the character because how many heroes would actually help out in a fight between two of their enemies? Very few. But that is such a Spider-Man thing to do, to jump in and risk his own life to save an enemy. And then going even farther than that, when we see Shang-Chi enter the battle and risk his life to save an innocent bird that happens to be in the middle of the (laughs) battlefield. But... When it, when it comes down to it, Mr. Negative is a bad dude. Um, he he has kind of a split personality thing going on when he's in negative mode. He's full kingpin style villain. And he has the power to actually corrupt those that he touches. Uh, a while back, he corrupted Spider-Man. And in a hilarious twist, he actually corrupted Aunt May. He turned Aunt May evil. It was hilarious. <laughs> Aunt May kicking Peter out of the house, calling him a freeloader, all kinds of hilarious stuff. That tells you how bad this guy is. He turned Aunt May evil. You cannot do that. That's not allowed. But he did it. It's so cool. And we see once he gets a hold of Shang-Chi, we see a lot of character development from the character of Shang-Chi, which is a character that hasn't had any development in, I'd say, about 30 years. (laughs) So it's nice that they're picking up this character that they're starting to integrate more and more into the main Marvel stories and saying, okay, releasing a Shadowland Shang-Chi one shot probably isn't going to be terribly successful. So let's tie him in with one of the more popular characters and still tell a good story without it feeling shoehorned. Uh, you're not terribly familiar with Shang-Chi or even the Spider-Man at the time, but what did you think of the issue? Oh, I loved it. I, I found it because I'm not familiar with uh, Shang-Chi. Um, I, I found it a little bit difficult to follow at first. Um, not just because, uh, well, that and Mr. Negative too, who I did not know who that was either. So that entire little battle scene at, at the beginning really kind of had me lost for a little bit. Um, but that being said, you really it doesn't take long before you can figure it all out and just roll with it. And the writing in this one was really quite good. It's actually a different writer for this as well. It's not uh, uh, Andy. It is... I had it up. Damn it. I'm going to find it. Um, but the writing is really quite good. The um, Just the, to interrupt you real quick, the writer is Dan Slott, who is one of the oh, Spider-Man writers. And he's taking over the core Spider-Man writing duties starting next month. Yeah. Go on. The writing was good. The All of the dialogue was fantastic between the characters. I mean, it, it's it's entirely dialogue dri- driven between the two characters, which is very good because, again, because I didn't know the Shang character very well, then you're getting the opinion of who that character is based on what Spider-Man is saying and thinking about him kind of thing. The, the dialogue between the two was fantastic, was really quite good, and not in the... You know, the normal sense where you have two smart ass characters that just bounce things off of one another. You have one that has that 
nobility in and honor and then you have spider-man you know who has the same kind of things but in a far different skewed way and so the conversations are are very good and they're very different but i mean case in point when they're arguing about the bird and it's it's this is what i was saying about what i meant before when i was talking about there's a time and a place for humor and there's 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 a proper way to handle humor in an action issue kind of thing. And here we have humor that is used in between sparingly, but still subtle and fun kind of thing. And it's not, it doesn't take over the issue. It was really, really quite well done. And case in point again, when Spider-Man is confronting Mr. Negative, when, um, when uh, Shang has kind of taken over there and he's, He's pointing his finger at him and he's telling him, stop making this so hard. (laughs) Instead of hitting him or anything like that, he's kind of telling him what to do. It was a really fun issue to read, even though, again, I didn't like the character. Not I didn't like, sorry, I didn't know the character. And it was done well enough that it, like you're saying, it wasn't shoehorned. It was a, but it wasn't a Spider-Man tie-in. It was the Spider-Man and Chang. It was a, a really nice issue with those two characters. All right, now I'm going to pose a, a bit of a question for you. Based upon uh, our episode with the whole one moment in time, how at that time were you feeling about the Spider-Man comic? Based on that? Oh, hell, I didn't want yes. to read it. Okay, so now having read this tie-in, uh, bridging a st- from a story you do like to a story you don't like, from the writer of the Spider-Man comic – are you slightly more interested in Amazing Spider-Man now than you were, say, a month ago? Let's say that I'd be more willing to give it a shot. But okay. that that one more moment left such a bad taste in my mouth that I really am not in a rush to be put back into that world again, that Spider-Man world. Not because of the character, I love the character, but because of what this writer is going to have to work with because of all the messing up of the, 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 the lore of that character. That's, that's what would be holding me up. Certainly not his writing because no, it's solid. It's very good. See, and that makes is what makes this such a successful tie in because not only does it give fans of Spider-Man, a little expanded Shadowland story. It gives fans that are in, you know, maybe you maybe you love Daredevil. Maybe you haven't read Spider-Man in 10 years and you, you, you love Daredevil. You've been reading Shadowland. So you decide to pick up the Shadowland Spider-Man issue and suddenly it piques your interest in the Spider-Man character. That makes this a very successful tie in on all fronts to me. Yeah. The only the only thing that I thought was weak was. The lead up to it, which is just a a flashback of two panels, literally, which is why Shang went to go meet Spider-Man and how they went there. And basically he saw Spider-Man sneaking out during a meeting and decided to follow. And I'm thinking, really? They're having a meeting that's this important (laughs) and Spider-Man is just kind (laughs) of sneaking off because he saw a bad guy? I'm thinking, no, that was a little weak. They could have come up with a better premise as to why they would meet there to take... To, to try to stop this. Um, but that was literally the only thing. And I, I mean, that's pretty minor. And I, we're literally looking at two panels here. But uh, but that's it. Everything else, pff, phenomenal. It was a really, really fun. And again, because it is that bridging of uh, uh, from three to four, essentially, kind of thing. Uh, issue three to issue four of Shadowland. It's a nice bridge between the, no, you don't have to read. But then when you're reading four... 
you've got that little bit more of the backstory and the the character development that that occurred between the pages that you otherwise wouldn't have read. Yeah, all around good stuff. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's the end of our good stuff for this issue of the <laughs> podcast. And this is going to be as much of a surprise to Roger as it is for our readers because I've kept this one a secret from him. If you look in our show notes, it's titled quite simply, The Worst Comic Vince Has Ever Read. I'm going to tell you a bit of a story here uh, of, of a comic that initially had me very excited. The to- comic is titled Neonomicon. And that in and of itself, uh, you know, gives gives the reader a lot of interesting ideas. It, it's essentially a modern day story based upon the writings of H.P. Lovecraft, you know, the Necronomicon, all his famous books that he wrote. So that's as a setting, very interesting for a good story. And then if you look at the person who wrote this issue, none other than Alan Moore, one of the most respected writers in the history of comics, the man responsible for Superman, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, the man responsible for V for Vendetta, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and something you might have heard of called The Watchmen, selected as one of my favorite comic storylines of all time. The guy is a good writer. He knows how to write comics. So you put those two things together, and I was very excited to see where this was going to go. Now two issues in, I'm going to buy issue three. I'm going to read issue three, only for the comedy value, because it is by far the worst comic book I have ever read. And believe me, I've read some bad comic books, but there's certain bad comic books that, okay, they're just bad. Okay. Stupid writing, stupid plot points. Okay. What have you? It's just stupid. Like Batman versus the Punisher. You'd think it's going to be awesome. It just ends up being, you know, terrible. It's like a sci-fi channel, Saturday night movie, but you have a good writer, a good premise there's no possible way that this could be so bad. First of all, let's talk about the Lovecraft side of things. Uh, Roger, when you were in school and you had to take a test or write a report on something that, let's say, you didn't read the source material on. If you were anything like me, you kind of just repeated things that you had picked up on in class, right? We'll go with okay. Yes? No? Okay. All right. Maybe you, you must have been a better student than I was. <laughs> But, you know, if if you're talking about a subject that you're not terribly familiar with, you just kind of BS your way through it. You talk about a few things. You mention a few names, a few places, and you pretend like you know what you're talking about when you really don't. Oh, I see and that's, this. that's how this <laughs> issue feels for me when Moore is – well, when Moore's characters are discussing H.P. Lovecraft. It's like when – And I know this isn't true because I know Alan Moore has a huge respect for the old writers. If you read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, it's essentially a who's who of famous uh, fictional book characters. The guy loves the the old old stories. I know he has read the works of H.P. Lovecraft. I I don't know, but I I can go on a, a fairly good guess that he has read the works of H.P. Lovecraft. And yet when you read this, it looks like he went to Wikipedia, typed in Lovecraft, and then just copied and pasted some things into his character's dialogue because the exposition is so painful. Like the story follows these two detectives 
hunting down a serial killer. And they get into sort of a Silence of the Lambs sort of scenario where they have to deal with a former serial killer to learn information about the new one, stuff like that. And, and they start to realize that there's a lot of parallels between these killings and the writings of H.P. Lovecraft. So this one female detective just she must have an encyclopedia of Lovecraft in her brain because she's just constantly spitting out uh, characters and settings and book titles. And it just it's so dry and stupid and out of place. It's painful to read. You you have to try to make a Lovecraft based story this boring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got all these, you know, all these crazy ideas the guy has come up with, and it's just so stupidly boring. But that's not all. No, Alan Moore is a sick, twisted individual. Uh, we saw he came out with a, a comic a few years ago. I, I think it was called The Lost Girls. I'm trying to remember. It was basically an a graphic erotic novel based on. Cinderella, uh, Alice and Wendy from Peter Pan. And it, I don't want to get into it because I, I haven't read it myself, but I've heard it was still it, it was done in a, a good style and it was well written. And OK, you know, there were some boobs in there, but it was still a decent book. No, not this one. He, he he's completely lost it. The 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 lead detective, the one who's the expert on H.P. Lovecraft in one of the opening scenes, she's walking through a hospital with her partner, just casually talking about how she was addicted to sex, like just just out of nowhere. That's not something that you can just drop on the reader out of nowhere on page four of the book. <laughs> okay it's not like there was a build-up it was just oh you okay being in here she's like oh i wasn't crazy i was just addicted to sex what <laughs> and it, and and he feels the need to bring this up at every possible point every person she talks to brings this up it's like okay we get it it's part of her character let it go let, let the story go somewhere you don't have to keep beating us over the head with she likes to have sex no it, it's not necessary for the story and i wish it stopped there <laughs> no 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 once you get about halfway through the second issue it goes from a bad cop drama to a bad porn it, the the writing and the art are so graphically over the top it's quite frankly a, a little disturbing. Like I'm, I'm a mature individual. I can handle That's watching a. <laughs> okay, I can handle watching a movie on TV with nudity and sex and not, you know, giggle through it. Okay, I, I can accept that it's part of the story, and, okay, he decided he wanted to tell this story. I don't know if he wanted to tell this story and realized he could do something sexual with it or if he just wanted to write a really bad porn and decided to try and make it highbrow by throwing Lovecraft in there. And it's so hilarious because one of the characters even says there was no sexual innuendo in any of Lovecraft's writings. And yet two pages later, they're naked having sex in an orgy. <laughs> it's like, And it's just so over the top. He goes completely out of his way. Uh, the, the, the villain they're chasing, it's never said, but you'd have to be blind and idiotic not to get that the guy has sex with his own mother and they show her naked, um, corpulent, dead body laying on the bed, completely 
visible with everything, stuff that you would never want to look at in your life is exposed on this poor woman. And then when they get later on, when they start getting the 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 cult followers, it, it's it's completely over the top with not just the sex like he's he's trying way too hard to be as edgy as possible. Like, OK, if you want to have male on male interaction, if it's part of the story, I can accept it. I don't really want to see it, but I can accept it. But no, he just goes like, oh, okay, what are we going to do now? Let's have these two guys do something together. Like, ugh. It's just so out of place and so stupid. And then you get the 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 Lovecraftian horror demon, demon thing from the depths. With, okay. If you know anything about Lovecraft and the concept of Cthulhu, you know tentacles are, are, are a common theme here. I'm not going to go into any more detail, but Wow. And all the characters are competing over who can enjoy the demon first. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't want to go into too much more detail about this because it's so terrible. I can't believe this is from one of the best writers in the history of comics. So how would you like to read this? Roger? No, no, that's all right. I'm good. You I'm sure? Good. You sure? No, I, I had my fill with Batman versus Punisher. So... Because I got to say this, I'm going to continue to read it just for the comedy value, because I want to (laughs) see how much farther he takes this, because this uh, how many issues is this? It's only been two. No, but how many is it like it must be? I have no idea. (laughs) I just saw it one day and went, hmm, Alan Moore, H.P. Lovecraft. I'll give it a shot. The first issue was a little disturbing, but. Okay, and then the second issue just blew the lid off of everything, and I'm committed just for sheer <laughs> hilarity's sake at this point. Alrighty then. Which kind of leads us to to our next segment. It's something new that Roger came up with, and it's called the "What Are You Reading?" segment. Uh, I read a lot of newer comics, so at this point, I'm going to kind of leave this form open to you, Roger. Well, like I said earlier, I've been actually reading a ton of Wolverine lately. I, um, I've i always enjoyed the character, and we've been talking about it quite a bit lately uh, through a variety of, uh, of episodes, talking about how there hasn't been much that's been done that we can enjoy with it. So I decided to go back over some of the stuff that I remember reading a great many years ago, and then stuff that's happened since then, because I would like to put myself up to date with a lot of what's been happening with the character. Some of what we've heard with the character, some of the things that we discussed, I had no clue had happened. And so I went back and I started with Wolverine. Now, I can't even tell you which which version this is. It's the one that has the Civil War. So I would guess that's probably version two, because three is the new one where he goes to hell, correct? Uh, I'll go with that. Sure. I, I believe it is. So I read the... Um, that was reading the Wolverine issues up until the point where Wolverine origins began. And then I segued into the origins and I've read through about three quarters of that. Um, yeah, probably because I've read about 30 issues of it. And so I, I, well, actually over 30. So I still have a few left to go with that, but then I wanted to get back because I was starting to get a little frustrated with, with origins. There <laughs> Welcome were some, to my world. Yeah, there were some phenomenal issues there. Some storylines that were really, really enjoyable. And then 
it just kind of started th- this whole Romulus thing and the whole Dokken thing. And it's like, and when they started going back to the original sin where it's the, 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 the underlying CD part of why Xavier wanted to bring him into the X-Men and things like that. That's when I started thinking, you're going too far. You're reaching way too far and you're playing with something that's already been established in prior issues and you're changing it and saying, it kind of looks like this, but this is actually what happened. And you're making it dark and somewhat disturbing, and I wasn't enjoying those nearly as much. Not that, you know, the comic books have to always be happy-go-lucky, but when you're changing an established lore like that, don't always expect that your audience is going to like it. So then I went right back to um, the Wolverine series, and now it's been... Fairly interesting to see some of what's happening. I I did read through the Civil War um, only as it pertained to the Wolverine series. I'll go back and read the other ones for the other characters. Uh, But it's been a lot of fun. Like the interaction with Captain America has been really a lot of fun to read. The interactions with Sabretooth have have been fairly interesting. Um, The the one where he actually kills him. I don't know how long that's going to last, but he kills him with the blade. So he's supposed to be dead. And uh, in a few years now, hasn't come back yet. Okay, well, that's good to know then. So it worked. But when he takes his arm off and then Sabretooth tries to put it back on and Hilarious. then it falls back off. <laughs> I was going, oh, my God. Um, and also just to, to end off, because I don't want to go too long on this. I, I I really am enjoying it. And we discussed this on uh, after recording the other night. And one of the things that I really like about the character again obviously too is because he is Canadian and it's not that you have to identify with a Canadian and that's why not at all it's that the writers who tackle that character the ones who get the little intricacies are using little lines throughout where you can tell that he's proud of being Canadian and like I said before it's not that Canadians have anything against Americans it's not that you know, we look down upon you or anything like that. It's that as fiercely patriotic as Americans are, so are Canadians, though more often than not a lot more quiet about it, but it's still there. And so when in real life, if, and it's happened to me traveling abroad and it happens to everybody, we know it, we get mistaken as American all the time. And the proper response is always, no, no, I'm Canadian. And that's, and there's, because there is that, that loyalty, and so when you're seeing this character do that, it's hilarious. And it's 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 nice to see that and be able to relate to it and say, okay, yeah, the writer gets it. So I've been enjoying those little things here and there. Yeah, it, it's so interesting that as recently as a couple years ago, the Wolverine series was so much fun to read. And as we've seen between Origins and the new Wolverine and even the dark Wolverine, because Dokken took over uh, Wolverine at starting at issue, I think, 72, somewhere around there. It, 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 it's been so boring and just uneventful lately. But if you go back five, even three years ago, it, he, there was a lot of good stuff going on there. But at, no, go ahead. Do you have something? No, to add? I was just going to say that I think that they put so much backstory into the character now and have put him through so much that you can't have a new series now wherein it's all about those same backstories. Enough with the Weapon X times and everything <laughs> else. That's it. Put him in something completely new and original and in this time 
and go from there. And you can still have a blast with the character, which is what we're seeing with some of the tie-ins that he's in and things like that. You can still have a blast with the character. But enough with the Weapon X stuff and everything else. It's done. Let it go. Move on. Yeah, that, that's why that whole Sabretooth story arc, which while the, the writing wasn't that great, it was just a ton of fun to read. Uh, that's why that whole story arc was called Evolution. It was Wolverine Evolution. It, to me, it was seen as a way of ending all the previous stuff and moving the character into the future. And unfortunately, it hasn't happened yet. But we're going to stop there with the Wolverine. Um, for me, my new my, my what I'm reading, I'm just having uh, – keeping up with my new releases right now. There's been so much crazy stuff to read. I haven't really been going back. So let's talk about today's new releases. The first one we have on the list here is a very interesting one that I guarantee you, you haven't heard of Roger. And it's called soldier zero. Number one. Why do I care about soldier zero? Because it's part of a new initiative coming out of POW studios in partnership with boom and Marvel and Disney and the, the whole umbrella where they have created three new characters that they're launching three new titles with. And the reason these characters are so important is they were, these three characters were created by none other than Stan Lee. 80 some years old, this guy is still <laughs> cranking out good ideas and Soldier Zero is the first of his new characters that we're going to see. He's not handling the day-to-day -day writing, he's more of overseeing the general character development and plot. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this one turns out. Uh, after that, hey, look at that, Batman Beyond number 5. Absolutely can't wait there. Brightest Day number 12. This issue this series has been getting better and better with each issue. We have Walking Dead number 78. The TV series premieres in a week and a half, so if you haven't caught up yet, get to it. You have 78 issues to read. And then we get into some interesting stuff here. We have Spider-Man relaunching next month with its big time, and or even this month, actually, I believe it is. And we're seeing the first title in the new Spider-Man myth, uh, mythology and lore with Carnage number one. The completely over-the-top fan favorite slash fan hated character from the 90s is making a big comeback. We have Chaos War number two, Daredevil 511, X-23 number two, and another offshoot, uh, not in one of the, any of the main universes, we see the first issue of Kick-Ass 2. Uh, I loved the first Kick-Ass. It wasn't that crazy about the movie, uh, but hey, I'm there for issue number one of the new Kick-Ass. So that is our new releases for the week. Thank you very much for listening to issue 12 of Bow Down to Us, the comics edition. Be sure to check us out at bowdowntous.com. We've had lots of comic reviews going up in the past couple days. Lots of good stuff to check out there, and we'll see you next week.